sacrifices. You've got to make sacrifices for your team. To answer your question. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Inside Position with me, Tom Halpin. Today's guest is one of the most exciting and highly regarded 77 kilo grapplers in the world, Oliver Taza. Taza gave some great insight into the recent DDS split and his reasons behind going to New Wave over B Team. He also shared some great lessons he's learned from training with Gordon Ryan and John Danner, and in particular their unique training structure and intelligent approach to improving. I think everyone will have a lot to take away from this one. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and also share the podcast with your friends. And as usual, I've included some links down below in the description if you'd like to support the podcast in any way. For now, let's get back to another episode of Inside Position with Oliver Taza. Hi Taza, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Tom. I want to get started with actually the first time I bumped into you at a competition. I'd say it was ADCC trials, maybe 2017 in Europe. I think it was the first trials you actually won. And I remember at the time thinking that you would be at a high level pretty soon because it was just before the final of your division. And I was just kind of casually chatting to you and you just mentioned, oh, yeah, I'm in the final. And I remember being very surprised how relaxed you were and how much you were enjoying it. You're even teaching random people in the warm up area different heel hook setups and stuff and then obviously you went on to win the tournament and go on to ADCC so I was just wondering like how were you so relaxed early in your career at a big moment because I remember being a similar one like similar situation before the final and I definitely wasn't as like enjoying it as much as you were you know what the truth is I wasn't relaxed but I try to make it seem like I'm relaxed now there's a lot of shit you can do so your mind will control your body. So like if you say, right, raise your right arm, you raise your right arm. If you do certain shit with your body, like put your hands in the air like you just won or you smile, even though you don't feel like smiling, your mind will kind of like reverse it and like put you in that state. You know what I mean? Now, where I feel like I've made big improvements with that is I'm starting to implement that kind of mindset even when I'm rolling. So like, let's say... I don't know, I'm exhausted and I'm in guard and the guy on top has crazy pressure and I want to get back up. And if I'm trying to sprint back up, he knows, he sees it, right? And if I just play chill and I wait for like a good off balance and then now I get up, so it's, it's better. And one common thing that I that I hear when I talk to a lot of like, so I talked to Kainan about it when we did the, the Modolfo camp. I see Gordon. Mary Galli actually pointed that out to me. They all say one thing in comic, you gotta, you gotta, even if you're not relaxed on the inside, you gotta like show that you're relaxed because then you will start to really relax. You know what I mean? So that was kind of the strategy. And I, I kind of noticed the same thing with Gary actually at the last ADCC when he's dressing up all show-offy. And I was saying, it's almost like he invites himself to be embarrassed so that he's not nervous or embarrassed about the tournaments. Like I would do certain similar things, not to that extent, but I would warm up in my like jeans and t-shirt and stuff at competitions a lot. And people think it's weird. I stand out a bit, but then it's like, because I'm already weird and a bit embarrassed, I'm not nervous then for the competition because I've kind of already done it while I'm warming up. You see that if that works, that's the kind of thing that works for you. You gotta, you gotta go with it, man. Like you, some, you gotta fake it till you make it. It's, it's, it's true. I feel like the more I apply this, this idea, it, it kind of applies to all aspects of life, man. If you think about it, if you're like, I don't know, you're nervous in front of someone, he's going to get that nervous energy from you. He's going to be like, whoa, what's going on? If you play cool and play relaxed, uh, you'll 
you'll uh, things will change. You know, it'll be a different vibe, yeah. different energy. How do you feel like you had such good success early in your career? Because I remember you got your brown belt very quick in just a few years. You were winning tournaments, submitting black belts. How was your early training to get you to that stage? I know you were training with Faraz Sahabi. What kind of influence was he on you? Uh, that was big. Training at TriStar at first was very, very um, beneficial because it was like MMA focused and there was a lot of high level guys. Um, the style that that I picked up early on was very useful for what I would learn later on. So butterfly guard, uh, butterfly sweeps, Ashigrami. I actually had a, at the time he was a purple belt when I was still a white belt and he saw like body type. He saw like, I would, you know, like giving good reactions, basing out, things like that. So he was like, Hey, let's drill before class, like one hour a day or, or like 30 minutes a day or like certain amount of reps. And so I drill like butterfly sweeps with different grips. I drill like Ashigrami to X guard. <clears throat> so earlier on, I had these like down, very like solid. That helped me a lot. Also, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it at first. So I was like super into jiu-jitsu, studying a lot of tape, studying a lot of Leandro, by the way, rest in peace. Um, so that, that helped a lot. And then when... When I started going Henzo's, a lot of the things that they were doing, I kind of knew already. And what were your first impressions of training at Henzo's with Danaher? First impression, he's a character, obviously, like anybody else. And I didn't like, I didn't understand their sense of humor back then. Like, like shitting on each other to have a laugh. Like I didn't, I wasn't familiar with that, you know? So at first I was like, man, this guy hates me. He doesn't like me. And I tell, because Gordon brought me in, right? He's like, he brought me from TriStar. He's like introducing me. And I'd be driving back to Jesse, like, man, like, why does he hate me? What did I do? Like, why does he not like me? Like, it turned out, it's like, no, man, he's just bugging you, like, messing with you because that's, like, actually a sign that, you know, he's trying to get, like, to know you and get close to you and shit. So that's uh, John. But then <clears throat> training, man, the first, first, like, couple of times I visited, I was like, man, I got to find something else to do with my life, you know? It was that bad. It was that bad because there's a lot of things early on that you don't know, but once you know, it makes a big difference, right? So like just simple things like heel slipping, like uh, simple leg counters, like turning in the right direction, um, placing your weight, like you're used to driving your weight forward, but that just puts you in cross ashy, like things like this, when you don't know them, when you don't see them at first, you're like, fuck, I keep getting leg locked left and right. But when you pick up on them, that's not that there aren't that many things. When you pick up on them, then you're like, okay, I'm starting to get a hang of it, starting to survive a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And still now, man, like it's it's not fun now. Now we have a lot of well, I wouldn't consider myself old now, but like I'm close to 30, 29. And then we have yeah, and we have these guys like they come in, they're like 19, 18, 20 early like blue purple belts that come in they're like getting everything every roll every session you're rolling with that anyway it's cool man it kind of reminds me of like when i first started and then it kind of like keeps you keeps you young makes you want to stay young because like you see like these guys are going to come up if i don't if i don't stay up to date i don't keep training very soon they will surpass me so it's it hasn't changed much but i feel like the roles are reversed. Like, so now I'm the person who's been in the room for a while and the new guys are coming and they're getting caught left and right with just things that they're going to know very soon. But what was it like then going, like deciding to almost go pro with it and that you wanted to stay in New York more and train with the lads down there? 
how was the process of deciding that and then making it happen? Because obviously it's pretty difficult to go live in New York just all of a sudden. Yeah, I think um, what what made me decide like, hey man, this is something I really want to start to pursue seriously. Uh, the first time I traveled for a like, I was paid to travel for a competition. Well, actually, I didn't. I didn't end up getting paid because Halleck kind of screwed everyone. But it was the Metamorphs. It was the Metamorphs Challenger. I was like purple belt. Like I had just met Gordon. Like he came down to help. Uh, you probably remember Tom Tom Breeze, English uh, English MMA fighter. He brought Gordon down, and after like after like two weeks, I had like a trip to Pittsburgh, like the Metamorphs qualifier to make to make it to the final Metamorphs in LA and all that. And I subbed these two black belts in like a minute and a half with inverted heels. I was like, man, I feel like, not like I found a hack in the system, but kind of, you know, because nobody knew anything about that back then. Nobody kind of studied leg locks. Nobody kind of saw the potential. And so after that, I, I took, um, I took bronze at Nogi Worlds after being, after being purple for like two, three months. So I was like, you know what? I might I might start going to Henzo's more often, and so I went to I went from like four classes to three to two to none. So and then just straight straight Henzo's all day. Made that commitment to live the jiu-jitsu lifestyle. I didn't know it was gonna be it was gonna be a rocky a rocky road, man. <laughs> well worth it though. And how have you seen like within the team? How have you seen? maybe the training methods and the structure and stuff change. Obviously, Danner has been the coach for a good few years now, but like, how's your training structure and schedule and everything at the moment in New Wave? And how does that compare maybe to when you joined the team a few years ago? I'd say we are doing more positional training. I was just mm. thinking about that, actually. Um, when I first joined, like, I don't know if it was because, you know, John was teaching at Henzo Gracie and you had to follow a certain, certain structure. But we do a lot. We started doing a lot of positional. I'd say like around to win. Like at first, like the first couple of years, it will do not as much positional training. The, the structure was the same. You get in, you drill, and then you roll, right? But now we do a lot of positional training, and then now because we're close to ADCC, uh, we're doing like rounds where it's kind of not not open, but kind of we're following the ADCC. Uh, rule set like points no points no guard pulling all that stuff so we adapt obviously with um with the competitions that are co coming up and the teammates that have things coming up like if someone has ebi coming up we'll do more ebi if someone has um ac coming up we'll wrestle a lot more so little tweaks but for the most part it stays pretty similar and what's the kind of main model that you use to get better would it be the it's almost like you focus on a few key positions and solve problems as they arise or like how 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 would you decide on what you need to put time into because obviously it's a pretty important decision because you only have a certain amount of time yeah so i'm um, we're lucky cuz john kind of does all that for us you know what i mean like obviously we do our own thinking like i walk into sessions thinking about certain moves that i want to hit that i want to work on certain ideas based on, you know, the, the competitions that are coming up. Like, say, for example, like for ADCC, if you take someone down, they bounce back up. There's, there's no points. If IBJJF, you take him down to two knees, that's two points, no? If you take someone down, he turtles, that's two. So, obviously, what when we're wrestling, is different. Like, now we're working, getting to the back. We're working, 
um, rear body lock takedowns, mat returns, uh, things like that. So for me, I go in there with that idea, then John reinforces it. And then after class, I like to drill a couple of things like maybe that didn't go well in training or things that I want to review or touch up on. But it's very helpful to have a coach that sits out, watches, and um, kind of does the work for us. I mean, I know it sounds like lazy from our part, but and that's what a coach does. You know, that's why it's so good to have to have him have him there looking. He's just looking. And then everyone's on the same page as well, which is a big thing, really. That's something you're missing in a lot of other teams. Everyone is kind of off doing their own random things. There's no team cohesion where you're all working towards similar kind of goals and stuff. It's so weird. It's it's so weird sometimes. I'm not going to say like name gyms or anything, but it's so weird sometimes going somewhere else and seeing the way training's done. I'm like, man, it's so different than... What would be some of the biggest holes you'd see in other people's games and training when you watch maybe competition or training footage or something? Training, training I would say the um, for training, when I go to certain gyms and first the vibe, like the atmosphere. Right. Like that's the first one, because when we're drilling, I'm not saying it's military, but I mean, we're we can joke around. We can talk. We can skip maybe a couple of reps. For the most part, everybody's drilling the same thing. You know what I mean? You go to other places. Some guys are sitting in the corner having a laugh, chilling, kicking in. And then when rolling starts, ah, maybe let's let's use the first two rolls to warm up. With this, with no, not here. Like. By the time we start rolling first round, we're going. So I feel the atmosphere that John sets is very helpful. And what's encouraging is that when John goes away, like let's say to teach, not teach, the film and instructional or the corner fights, we'll have Gordon or Gary or Giancarlo or myself. I've had the the, the honor to, to, to run the class when they're away. And it's nice because everyone's still on the same page. Like we're still like, okay, you're running it. This is what we're doing. We're familiar with this format. So it, it just so happens that, um, like you said, we're on the same page and training runs smooth and there's a continuation. It seems like there's a lot of focus with it when I look at it from the outside compared to other gyms. Yeah. You, know, you can see everyone's pushing in similar directions. But when you're drilling as well, would you be doing, like how, mu how much level of resistance would you be given? Obviously, the person who's drilling the move wins, but would you be very active when you're drilling or is it more relaxed and experimental? It starts relaxed. It starts, mm. well, I'm not going to say you're letting the guy hit the move, but you're yeah. kind of helping him with it, right? So yeah, Exactly, yeah. yeah like you, play fighting almost. Yeah, you're kind of helping the guy get the move. So mm. that's at first. Then before we start positional training, we'll play live drill. So it's like 40, 50%. We'll do a couple of rounds like this. Then will do positional rounds so it's actually rolling and now you're actually rolling but from specific positions and then we have the open rounds so it, it's it pro it's progressive you know it's not like um it's not like zero to 100 or uh, i don't want to get this guy to hit the move you know it's crazy I, I teach at a place called black widow and then some of the guys early on like when i first started like they wouldn't let each other hit the moves like they're drilling and and it's like, man, he needs to he needs to rep the move. Like, it's like you 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 can see like there's two three groups dripping sweat, exhausted, breathing. I'm like, you can't train like that, man. Like, how how are you gonna how are you gonna get better and acquire skills if when you first learn something you're going balls out? Like, it's not gonna work.
So at first, there has to be a period of time where you're developing a feel for the move, where the guy's kind of like, you're kind of like a dance partner, like you're kind of helping him get there, you know? Like, especially like I use the example of like foot sweeps because it fucking, like it, it takes timing, you know? It takes like, and if the guy's not cooperating with you, you're not going to hit it first. Like he kind of has to, he kind of has to help you with the unweighted foot, take his time to keep the weight off the foot for you to, so that kind of vibe at first, that's the vibe. You got to get experience in the move and reps. And if from the get-go, you're not getting that, yeah. it's going to take longer to learn it. It's going to take longer to understand it. And then what's interesting about training with John is that it could be the same move from a day to another, but the way he perceives it and looks at it, it, it could be a diff little bit different. So when you go to hit it, now you're hitting a little bit differently. You're, you're using different pointers in your head. And it makes it more clear and, and there's better understanding. So when you go to hit it, it's, it's there's less doubt. You're you're more confident in hitting the move. So But you mentioned as well having good success with leg locks early on in your career. How do you find nowadays the fact that everyone is pretty good at defending? They're very strong and especially the turnout escape and these kind of things. Do you have to double down on the leg locks to get better or do you transition more into connecting it to other positions? Like what's your approach in terms of dealing with people getting very good at defending some of those popular submissions. So for the leg locks, it's good that, you know, I'm happy to see the jiu-jitsu world in general become good at it. It's a good sign, you know, like that means like the, the level in general is increasing, which is very encouraging. Um, for me personally, obviously it sucks because usually you grab someone's heel, they tap. But like you, you see some people have success with different kind of leg locks, like the straight Achilles, outside heel hook, so it's not just the inverted now, you know. So for me personally, what I'm what I'm focusing on right now to, to keep that leg lock efficiency, I'm trying to connect different positions. So like connecting the thread of different submissions. So you have Achilles, outside Ashi, you have the inverted, you combine them, you go backside, front side, cross Ashi. And when you combine them, then yeah, it'll open open doors up. And then obviously the back transitioning to the back. The other thing you got to be aware of is now more and more guys are hunting for the back when defending their legs. So um, over the past couple of years, obviously, there's been some uh, adapting that has to that had to be done. And it's little tweaks. You know what I mean? It's not <clears throat> not have to change everything. You just have to tweak, tweak one or two things. By everyone getting better at leg locks, it kind of made my leg locks better. You know what I mean? So let's see. Let's see. ADCC, man. We're going to represent them well. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to... to de I'll definitely be using the threat of leg locks, especially in the first five minutes when we're dry and when there are no points. That's that's the the goal is to get a couple of quick, quick submissions. And then it seems like as well you've improved your wrestling a lot over the last few years. And that probably goes very well with the leg locks when people defend. You don't just have to keep going after the leg locks like an ankle biter. You can use that to come up on top and then get to good passing positions. How has it been adding the wrestling to your game? Because it seems like Yi, more than any other team, added in a very smart way. Like it, it fits into the overall game very well. So how has that experience been? Yeah, that experience came from, um, well, obviously the whole team kind of put a lot of uh, emphasis into wrestling. But for me, where I where really, like someone can tell you something, and then you can kind of brush it off. Then you can experience it and be like, okay, this is something I really need to work on. For me, it was it was when I started competing at, at black as a black belt against other black belts. 
um, in like super fights or events, I was like, man, they stall so much. Like there's so much stalling. And if there's no like stalling calls or penalties, you can lose. I lost a lot of matches like getting stalled and then guy does one thing because you're opening up and now you lose. So I was like, I got to get these guys to engage. You know what I mean? One way or another. So hand fighting on the feet, uh, mixing the thread of pulling and then driving up from guard. Those are things that I've we've, we've implemented and uh, it just keeps getting better now. You know, you, you have to adjust wrestling to grappling. You can't take wrestling that you see in, in the Olympics or in the world championships and then try to try to translate it. It's not the same. The stance, yeah. the shoes, the slipperiness, the rule set, the threat of submissions. So uh, it's really nice to, to start to understand like the standing position for grappling, how it works, how it, how it's been, uh, how you see high level guys use it, um, how you can use it against high level guys, and uh, tactics too. It's not just the moves themselves; tactics, you know, like hand fighting is, is the kind of not necessarily just to take the guy down. It's to fatigue him over time, you know, wear down on his head. That's that's a you see that's a very common strategy now. Guys just. That, that infuriates me, man. When I hear commentators say, oh, uh, it's been four minutes and nothing has happened. No, a lot has happened. They're hand fighting. They're fighting for inside position. There's fainting. They're snapping down each other's head. That's very exhausting. And the fact that you say that nothing's happening uh, is a concern. You need to you need to step your game up, son. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like the standing equivalent of someone trying to pass your guard unsuccessfully for three or four minutes, yeah. but you're getting tired on the bottom, just blocking and yeah. moving and wearing their weight. Exactly. Does John have any particular special approach to learning the stand-up game? Like, does he have any special, like, does he have a small set of moves that he wants everyone to know? Does he focus on grip fighting? Like, how does he do it differently than maybe some other? That's, man, that's John's, I feel like that's the greatest thing about John, in my opinion, is how he presents things to you. As a mm. coach, He's not sitting there inventing shit, making shit up. He's looking and he's putting the brain work. How can I present this to people for it to make sense? So what's great about um, learning wrestling from John, it's, it was super similar to learning butterfly guard. Like inside position, push-pull, those are the grips you want to look for. This is what you want to do with these grips. So he gives, you, he gives you a sense of direction as to what to do. And then everything has a purpose and intent. So it, it just makes sense. Instead of just clubbing on someone's head, now you understand what you need to do before you get to someone's head. When you get to someone's head, what do you do? How are you using it? If he has a certain grip, how are you dealing with that? So like anything else with, with John that John teaches, you see people pick it up very fast. Like I had, a, I had to be off the mats for like two, three weeks due to like health, health issues, injuries, infections, whatnot, whatever. And then I go, like I go home for a week, recover, free healthcare in Canada, whatnot. <laughs> I come back and the room is, the level has, has gone up. I come back, I'm like, guys are foot sweeping, guys, guys are doing things that they weren't doing like two weeks ago. So that's, that comes from, like I said, that comes from John, like structuring things and presenting them in a way that, oh shit, that makes super sense. It's very easy to, to understand that you, you can apply it and then start having experience by practicing it in the gym and playing around with, you know, lighter partners or less experienced partners. So yeah, in a way, man, we're lucky to have these guys. Like, honestly, this is such a blessing for me to, to be in that room. 
uh, I can't say enough good things about about training uh, with those guys, specifically under John. And how has it been training with Gordon? I always wonder when I watch Gordon, he's obviously he's amazing. It looks like he's a master of every position. But I wonder what's the one thing that makes him so good? It seems to me when I watch him that no one can actually do anything to him. The same way maybe Hodger Gracie, I feel like he could beat you with his baby finger because you can't actually do anything to him. Gordon looks the same way. I was wondering if you had any insight into what is the thing that makes Gordon so good because it almost doesn't make sense um i feel what what makes him so good is like especially when i roll with him i notice there's there's always a small advantage he always in every position he has a small advantage over you and then that small advantage as you work on coming it back he's already getting another advantage over you and another so again it's similar to like from the wrestling position, like I told you, like he, John gives us a sense of direction and what to do and sense of purpose. Gordon has that at like million miles per hour from every position, every grip, every, yeah. And then you, you add cardio to that. You add strength to that. You add experience to it. Uh, you add confidence because he's very confident naturally. So it makes it, it makes like, it makes a very tough round when you're rolling with Gordon. It makes it so that for you, you have to kind of like, you know, like play the, you know what I mentioned early on in, 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 in this conversation, like you kind of have to, like if you're freaking out, you have to portray that you're calm. So I feel like that's the kind of things that I got to do with him to survive and try to lengthen, like lengthen the round before I get So, Because if you freak out, he'll, he'll realize and then he'll be able to double down on what he's doing. Yeah. If you realize you freak out, you max out on something, you show him your intentions and like you, you kind of show him here, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. He's he already countered it three moves ago and he knows it's coming. So uh, an example, like you're on your back, you're pummeling, you're circling your legs. He thinks, Oh, let me, let me lose pass. But then you find like a fraction, boom, you come up, wrestle up. And now he sprawls and now you have him, you have connection to him. And then you, from that connection, you can work guards and, so it's, 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 you have to disguise and hide and, and be able to go from, from being super calm to quick. Fine. That's a trait that you notice in a lot of very successful, like high level competitors. And that's, that's something I've struggled with for a long time. Like I'll be, I'll be like, I'll come out and then from the beginning, boom, boom, boom. But then the guy can match it. And then he can, he can read it. He can read it. And if he can read it, he can he can defend it. So if you kind of switch it up and you you go through, I'm not saying don't do shit during certain periods of time. Keep working on on getting advantages, but switch up the pace. There's there, there are times where you gotta like work, and then when you find something, go. The Mendez brothers are always talking about that, like when to change the speed with each move. They're saying when you do this move, you go to here, and this is the moment when you boom change the speed and explode yeah i had no idea so it is interesting but it's yeah, it's good yeah. to hear it they because like yeah. that's what i've been noticing going with him i'm like i can't i can't just keep going at him i have to and then i noticed that he does it too like in training i'm like you cheap bastard like i thought we we're flow rolling and now boom and now it's a fucking it's a double kouchi to body lock to God, my spine is bent in half and shit but that's that's what you got to practice you got to practice it's that almost like you tame the other person and then you just as soon as they start to relax and calm down you boom yeah and you have to you have to do it technically you have to do it um with technique you have to do it with intent and purpose you gotta put all that shit together to be able to maybe survive but how has it been with the the split from the squad obviously you don't have to go into any details mm -hmm. or anything but how has it been 
deciding to go with new wave as opposed to the others how has it been to kind of separate from some of your training partners you obviously spent loads of time mm-hmm. with over the last few years so that can't be a super nice thing either but how's how's that whole experience been so first um one thing i i still have very good contact with those guys when i run into that's them that's good yeah dude i, I yeah. competed at enigma not too long ago it was local in like a little gym in austin and there were guys from B team on it. There were guys from New Wave on it. And man, it was so nice to see them. They were literally cornering me, man, because it was in a small gym. I'm like still super close to them. So um, for me, what happened is it was small, I'd say personal problems and misunderstanding between certain people where I'm, I'm not going to say I don't have anything to do with it because I was still part of the team. But I had to think about what's best for me long term. You know what I mean? Like, and I always put the thought of long-term in my head because it helps me deal with, it helps me deal with setbacks, with losses. It helps me deal with, I lost this ADCC, like 2019, I lost first round. I have to think long-term. That's, that's the, that's one thing that puts, puts me at ease, you know, gives me peace of mind. Like, and for me, long-term, it was gonna, it was gonna be staying with John. It was gonna be staying with him because I know the environment. I've been in the room with him. I know how it's constant improvement. I know it's, it's, um, it's consistent, steady. Like, I know what to expect. And leaving, I didn't know what to expect. I don't know what's gonna happen with me. I'm still, I'm not saying I'm not disciplined, but if, if I wasn't around him, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll go do some things. I'll, I'll focus on marketing. I'll focus on making money, but, that's that's not really i don't think that's what i would enjoy so for me it was more of a a, like a okay long term what's going to be better for me stay with john and uh, obviously it sucks having teammates for so long and then having them you know rep another team and then fuck almost have to compete against them at some point but it's you know what we're going to compete against each other anyways i compete against teammates anyways so that's one thing i told myself i'm like finals of ADCC or whatever you're going to compete against teammates at some point so it's sad but I had to I had to make a selfish decision and just you know stick stick with the stick with the stick with John and Gordon and Gary and and I'm happy to see them do so good though you know like B team they're doing good man they have a lot of good training partners the team is sick a lot of solid training partners they're gonna do great I mean, same thing with us. Like we have a lot of good bodies coming in. There's enough good training partners for everyone. And you mentioned before as well, ADCC 2019, and obviously you competed in 2017 as well. Mm. How were those experiences maybe preparing for them, competing? And what were some of the different lessons you learned? 2017 was good. We prepped. Um, We prepped. We were still in New York. Uh, We were still in New Jersey. So it was a lot of commuting. Preparation was very similar to 2019, to be honest with you. Now, the difference now, I'd say, I would say the only difference between these two ADCCs and this one for me, personally at least, is finding time to just let the body kind of recharge a bit. Take take a take a day here, take a day there, you know, and let like, and let the like the nervous system relax a bit because it's it's very stressful you know training like stressful on the body like i'm not and then obviously if stress on the body stress on your nervous system and whatnot and i feel like you start to get in a in a loop of like bad sessions and you try to push through these bad sessions but i've I've, for my personal experience 
what happened is like when I took a couple of setbacks where they forced me off the mats, I'd come back better. You know what I mean? I'd come back yeah. stronger. I'd come back fresher. My mind is like firing off attacks that I wouldn't usually go for. So I would feel like this is one thing that, that probably changed for my preparation, but the team, the squad, how they're, how they're getting ready. It's pretty much the same man training, training, and uh, not much has changed, man. Just, just me listening to the body a little bit more. So. Yeah, and it takes confidence to take time off as well sometimes or take a day off here and there when you know that it's for your own benefit, you know. But I guess you have to learn that the hard way as well. Dude, it's stressful. Taking For me, like, the, 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 like, I have a routine. Like, I leave the house at a certain time. I do this at a certain time. When it's, like, 10 minutes before I leave and I know, like, I'm taking off, I'm, like, I'm, like I have anxiety. I'm, like, dude, I'm going to miss a session. It's in three weeks. What am I doing? But it's... Uh, you have to do the hard thing sometimes. Some people, they have to force themselves to walk into the gym. I feel like guys that compete, the struggle is to, is to take time off. You know what I mean? It's just to get off. Them. So that's the real struggle. And uh, I, I feel like there are benefits to it. I mean, some people may disagree. But from my personal experience, and I'm not like, it's not like I've been training for like two years. or like, And even before jiu-jitsu, I was like pursuing uh, soccer at a high level, so I'm familiar with like burning out and pushing and getting through and having these bad days and you feel like you're getting worse. It's just, you're just shot. You're just nervous system shot. You need a little bit of a, of a, a breathing time and it's just healthier long, long term, you know, healthier for your joints and your body. Like how's your experience been dealing with different injuries and niggles and stuff? Cause obviously everyone has small little ones, but I know you had the bad knee injury a few years ago, but in fairness, you came back looking better than ever. I was wondering like, what was the secret to doing that? Because some people come back, they're never the same. Other people, like maybe yourself, you know, so with Conor McGregor as well, they bounce back and they're better than they've ever been. So like what made the difference coming back from that? You have to be, you have to be patient. You have to be tolerant. And um, for me, what, what helped me like, because most of the work is done while you're recovering, right? Like while you're coming back, that's the, the it starts, it's, Every step of recovery is, is super important, right? It's not like, okay, those six months, I'm not doing anything. And then uh, let me start training again. It's like, soon as you get out the, the ER room, you have shit to do. You know, you have uh, things to start um, working on, things to heal. Uh, patient, you got to be patient. You got to wait. So it's a learning. It was a learning process. And, um, you know, I had to, I had to be patient. I had to find things to keep me distracted at times, um, reading, studying tape, doing online breakdowns, uh, teaching, teaching is something I, man, I enjoy so much, like teaching at all, all levels, like beginners, that that's something that kept me sane during rehab. And like I said, being patient, I think patient and tolerant, I feel like those two things, if you see people go through go through reconstruction, like ACL reconstruction or surgery or something that's pretty serious. And they're so eager to get back. And then you're just, you're just taxing yourself without knowing it. I, I tell people like that, that go through surgery. I'm like, the earlier you start training hard, like you're, you're normal. It's like the interest rate of the loan you're taking is way higher. You know what I mean? So like, you're going to have to pay it off and it's going to take a long, longer to pay it off after. So I could have done, I honestly could have waited even longer. I'll be honest with you. Like, if there wasn't ADCC 2019, I probably wouldn't have done a camp, crazy camp, do sessions a day, like eight months 
post-op, I would have waited a little bit longer, which is why, like, yeah, I was good during the ADCC, but I, I know, like, it could have been a lot better on my legs. And the confidence to wrestle, like, ADCC 2019, yeah, ADCC 2019 camp, I barely wrestled, man. I barely did any wrestling. Like, uh, maybe from guard, I wrestled a bit, but still, it wasn't, it wasn't enough. So when I went to overtime or when I had to wrestle, like, in my head, I was like, freaking out like fuck i didn't wrestle like what do i do what do i this and that or if i'm doing something i'm using too much energy i'm not being efficient and then you fatigue and you fatigue under stress you start making bad decisions so be patient i'd say i'd say just be patient be tolerant go through it enjoy the process especially now for this adcc you know you're going to be in peak physical fitness you're going to have a lot of specific coaching training everything behind you so yeah I think it'll all add in. This ADCC is different for sure, the preparation. But at the same time, you look at the bracket, the level of the bracket is is much, much higher. But it's good. I feel like the level of the bracket and like if I compare the, the level of like 77 kilo division from 2019 to 2022 and my level from 2019-22, I feel like my improvements are a lot bigger than the, the general level of the 77 kilo division. I feel like it's it's gonna be I can't wait, man. It's it's gonna be a different different uh, display of of not just like technical abilities, but more like a more mature performance from. And when you were sitting out with that recovery, how was it? Kind of, I wouldn't say having jiu-jitsu taken away from you because obviously you're still teaching, you're still studying, all those kind of things. But that's something that would always worry me. Like when you think of yourself as, let's say, a competitor, a jiu-jitsu guy, someone who's training all the time, uh, I'd be very nervous about having to take long breaks because i'd almost be like who am i without it you know so how do you deal with those kind of ideas and maybe what what other stuff do you do like what other interests would you have outside of jiu-jitsu or who would you be when you're not on the mats you know that's a hard question man (laughs) so (laughs) traveling is one thing that i really enjoy doing weightlifting i mean Mm -hmm. it doesn't really count i feel like you can consider weightlifting (laughs) like part of being in the gym but that's that's what i did i did a lot of weightlifting i was in the sauna a lot i got into sauna ice bath like contrast therapy these things uh reading reading helped me a lot like i feel like there's so much you can benefit from by reading that will help you on the mats too you know like just your your general mindset um your general mindset your your state of mind you 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 work on these things like your day's going better, you're, you're less stressed, you're, you're, you're um, interpreting different events in a positive way, like that will have a positive infa- impact on the mats too because you get into the mats just better, all, all around better. Well, other than that, man, I was like around family. That's always good to be around close people, you know, people that look after you and everything instead of being far away from them. So staying close to the family, staying close to, you know, fr- longtime friends, staying in touch with, with you know, people that are close to you and wish the best for you surrounding yourself with you know people that you know support you believe you that helps a lot you know um that's about it man you you have to get through it it's gonna suck a bit like there's no hack to make it not suck there's it's gonna have to suck but like there's no there's no life free from suffering man like who, who lives a life without without you know obstacles and and without them you don't you don't get better you know what i mean so it's good, man. It's a good experience. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good learning experience for sure. And looking forward to ADCC now coming up soon. 
when you visualize how it goes in your head, what are some of the different things you're seeing? Is there any particular matches you're looking forward to do or any skills you're looking forward to showing? Like how does how does it go when you watch the tournament in your head leading up to it? So in terms of technique, in terms of technique, it's obviously I'm way more technical than three years ago, but it, it's less about technique, less about strategy, and more about like demeanor and the way I do things. I feel like that's one thing that, really is going to change i've competed uh, a lot last year i competed a lot this year and those are things i got to practice uh, those are things i got to do wrong so like now i see how i can do them better so looking into it i, I can see how that will help me have a longer gas tank i can see how it'll help me make the right decisions because a lot of times you look at your match you're like man i know this why didn't i do it like what what's and it's not yeah, and it's it's not necessarily like you're not good on that day. It's just your mind is not like your mind is not calm enough to to make these lucid like decisions. So when I look at it, the matchups, obviously I'm excited for any anybody in that division is a good matchup. Like anybody. It it could be from start to finish, they match me up with I, I don't know, man. It could be I I think I think personally if I had to guess, I I think because, you know, European trials winners usually is bottom seed. And again, there's very little difference between second and 10th seed in that division, to be honest. You could just completely do a random bracket and no one would complain about seeding. Yeah. If you just did a random bracket. It's interesting, man. It could be, it could be Dante, actually. You said Dante. I could, I could have Dante. But I know ADCC, they don't like to do rematches. And I, I faced Dante at, at Grapple Fest. Um so who knows, man? I, I might get Kate first round. If I get Kate first round, that's it's like a super fight, man. It's like for me, it's like sick. I'm- I think that's the division where the seeding matters and like the brackets matter more than any other division. Do you know, like I think it would be very hard to pick who you think the podium would be because it all depends on how the brackets go and yeah. how how the matches go on the day as well. Yeah, you know, there's very few matches you would pick where you think, oh, that guy's clearly better than that guy. A lot of it's just going to come down to who executes that move at that particular time on the day yeah you know, and so. honestly i'm i'm like i'm not saying i'm happy the team split but in a way i'm kind of excited because if 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 all those guys that you know were um in b teams stayed we'd have ethan in a 66 kilo division which means that gary would do 77 and then we'd have nikki in the 77 so my first match would be either nikki or gary so i'm so happy like the things the way they happen you know what i mean it's like imagine getting ready with those guys and you know like the first match is going to be against it's weird you know what i mean yeah and even if you get through the first one then the second match is with your other main oh dream. great nice um but it would, it would guarantee obviously a teammate in the semis but still like i prefer i prefer not knowing and just being ready for anyone rather than being fuck i'm gonna have to face my teammate first thing adcc uh, 2022 and you mentioned your demeanor being something that was improved. Is that like how you carry yourself or how you would be relaxed? Mm-hmm. Or maybe what particular advice would you give to someone who's looking to improve that as- aspect of the game? Is it just experience or do you, is there certain people you need to study? Or like, how would you go about that? Uh, something you practice, of course. Um, you practice it every day in the training room. Like think about how you train in training and how you train in competition. Like when you go to training, you're relaxed. You know, there's no stress. you you're driving, you're chatting with your with your friends, you're you're having a laugh with your coach, you know, you go to roll, you're relaxed. 
But then all of a sudden, competition is is different. You know, you're you're tense, you're warming up, you're not talking to anyone, you're you're not smiling, you're looking down. Um, so all those things leading up, like do it as if it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Um, and during the match, like I said, like you have to kind of not disguise your intentions, but kind of like kind of disguise them, hide them a bit, be a little bit more elusive, kind of trying to switch your pace, uh, the look on your face, obviously. Um, your posture when you're coming in, those things, like what you portray, the image you portray, it, ma- it makes a difference. And uh, it's crazy because I was looking at, I was listening to like a TED talk and then I was reading a book um, and then Mary Gali, like, so this same information came to me at once from four different places. So I'm like, damn, may- maybe I should like think about that for a bit. And then yeah. when I think about my performances and then when you look at other people, like, man, they're, they're, they're having success getting someone to engage with them. Why do I have such a, why do I have such struggle getting people engaged? With? Maybe because I scoot at million miles an hour towards them, and they're yeah. like, "Oh shit, here we go." But instead of you know, they feel the danger. Yeah, you just relax a bit. You get them to lure them into assault. so a bit of psychological game, a bit of things like that. That's just one example. You know what I mean? It could be another example. That's the best one I can think of right now. So nice. yeah, just try to. I mean, John's been telling me that for a while, but you kind of have to lift things, experience them. For me, at least, yeah. to kind of really like... Before it sinks in. Yeah, before it sinks in and try to make it like training. It's the same thing. It's the exact, exact same thing. Try to work towards that. And what would be your future goals then beyond ADCC? Maybe over the next few years, do you have anything that you'd like to achieve in particular? Obviously, besides getting on the podium at ADCC, any other kind of outside competition goals or... Hopes. Competition goals, I say ADCC is the ultimate one. Um, um, so winning ADCC again, obviously winning it twice is always better than winning it once because people are going to say, oh, it's a fluke, it's a mistake, it's this, it's that, it wasn't supposed to be. Winning it again, but beyond winning competitions and whatnot, man, I have, like, I'm really finding out that I have a passion for like, teaching and helping guys uh, get better at jiu-jitsu. So I'd, I'd like to see myself... I, like start a team, start a start um, some kind of facility where people can train and in a more professional way, you know, like treat it, treat it like a training facility where like it's like a pro training facility because that's kind of what we're doing now at, at Roca. It's not really a gym. It's a training facility and it's invite only and it's got this sick gym and it's got this sick recovery room. And it's got this sick thing. And I'd like to do like, I'd like to, pimp it out like make it like like a football team or like a like a crazy hockey team like they have rooms for tape study they have recovery rooms they have they have physio rooms they have, i want to build something like that build a team where guys invited to come and train to get ready for certain competition where that's that's a dream of mine after competing do something where like it could it could be looked at more of like a in more of a professional way you know what I mean? You can be in the same training room as spazzy, spazzy white belt, uh, heel kicking you in the face, cutting you open. Now your ADCC dreams are, are gone because you're in the same training room as, yeah, you know what I mean? Like you, you don't, you don't see, you don't see pro football players training with, uh, with a part-time plumber or um, whatever the case may be. Imagine Ronaldo getting slide tackled by some guy who's just 
playing the five aside for the week, trying to exactly. get the ball off him. Exactly. You know? you know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's some guys that are very tough bodies, but those guys would be invited. Like those tough guys that give you good training would be invited to the room, which is what is happening now. So that's something I'd like to do. It's obviously a long-term goal, but I'd like to have a training facility for jiu-jitsu high level, high level, high level, like everything that you need to peak as not just jiu-jitsu, but as an athlete, you know what I mean? Have resources, ways to recover, ways to stay healthy, clean showers, obviously. So we're covering everything, man. We're covering staff, we're covering injuries, we're covering ringworm. And uh, that's something I'd like to do one day. Where? I don't know. It could be back home in Montreal, could be somewhere in the US, in the Middle East, maybe. I don't know. I, it's it's on tap, man. Like for me, my, my background, my background is Lebanese. I speak Arabic. I write it. There's there's not much. There's not much Arab. Uh, there's not much. There is a lot of Jiu-Jitsu, but I don't know how seriously it's being taken over there. And like the potential is big, man. Like Jiu-Jitsu is only going to keep growing. Like it's only going to keep growing. So that's a dream of mine. I'd like to have like a training facility pro training facility that's very similar to my like long-term goal as well basically run as proper sports team again where you do the same thing you're training in the morning same group invite only and then you have things like sauna tape study lifting sessions you know everyone is having lunch together after training the same kind of setups that you would get with any other professional sports yeah. team so hopefully yeah and get that going over the next few years as well. handle their nutrition handle their injuries handle handle their help them with their finances you know what i mean like just make it so that like a pro athlete all you have to worry about is performing you know what i mean can be done as well can be done of course it's gonna it's gonna be able to be done like it's crazy you're thinking about the same thing as me like I think it's going to go towards that same jiu-jitsu, man, as more and more people get into it and uh, the level keeps rising and matches become more exciting and more people see potential in it. It's going to happen, I think. Nice. I'm looking forward to seeing it and I'm looking forward to seeing you compete at the upcoming ADCC as well. I think it's going to be great performance. I'm looking forward to seeing how all the matches goes. Yeah, man. I'm and excited too. Best of luck with it, yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. You have, you have a match yourself uh, very, very close to ADCC, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it's unfortunate I won't be competing at ADCC. I'd love to, and I feel like I definitely have the skills mm-hmm. to be there and do well. Yeah. Just had some injuries the last year, so I wasn't able to do the trials. But yeah. yeah, I have a match on Polaris a week after it, so I have a lot of new stuff to show. And I'm going at that almost as if it's ADCC. Just go. pretending that I'm doing ADCC, but I'm competing the week after instead. There you go, man. And hopefully, again, I'll be back on the Nogi circuit now for the rest of the rest of the year with Nogi Worlds and stuff and kind of let everyone know that... I haven't gone anywhere. No, man. Blessing in disguise. You know what I mean? Everything's a, it's yeah. a, take it as a blessing in disguise to heal, True. to look, to see, to like, oh, here's what's happening at the at the level, which you can work on. It's a blessing in disguise, man. You see, I'm sure you could do very well at, at 66. I look at the division. You do great, man. It's like, and division 66 this year is um, pretty It's very up in the air, isn't it? It's yeah. very open. Yeah, it's very open. I'm not sure, like, Kennedy made it to the finals last time, but he hasn't like really, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You could see him being upset early on even. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's a tough one to call. Mm. Tough one to call. It'd be good, man. But I'm, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure you'll, you'll smash it at the European trials next time. Though. Thanks again, Taza. Hey, my pleasure, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for the I'll chat. See you soon. Yeah. That's cool, man. Big thanks to Taza for joining me on the podcast. I had a lot of great takeaways from that one. So I hope everyone enjoyed it as well. It was great to learn some of the training philosophies that they use at New Wave, and it was also very impressive to hear how he bounced back from some very serious setbacks and injuries with some very impressive performances as of late. 
As usual, if you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends and subscribe to avoid missing any future episodes. If you'd like to support the podcast in any way, you can check out some of the links I've included below in the description. We'll be back next week with another great guest. So until then, Slánagas Bánacht.